Welcome to God's Playbook with your host, Father Rico Passero. Let's play ball. Happy Monday, friends. It's Father Rico here at God's Playbook. Today we're going to, over the next two days actually, talk about the raising of Lazarus, Jesus' friend. So today we're in chapter 11. We'll study verses 1 to 27, and then tomorrow we'll finish off the passage. So again, a well-known passage, but has so many different elements for us to unpack. So let's hear in the scripture. Now a man was ill, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awake him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the background and the lead up to the healing and raising of Lazarus. It's important that we spend the time knowing the background before we actually focus on the miracle. 
first and foremost, it's so beautiful for us to see that indeed Jesus was human in every aspect but sin. So here we see people that are very close to him. His brother from another mother, you might say, Lazarus, and his sisters from another mother, and Martha and Mary. These three people mean a lot to Jesus, and so they represent for him, just like our family and friends represent for us, people that we're very close to, sometimes by sharing the same DNA and other times perhaps not. And yet despite all this, Jesus still seems to act in a very strange way. Rather than jumping at the opportunity to help them, he takes his time. We'll come back to that in a minute. What's first important to realize is that Jesus knew everything, but he awaits for word of Lazarus's passing before he even reacts. We know that God is always aware of everything. And yet in daily prayer, he humbles himself to wait to hear from us as we present to him what we need. It's still important to God for us to do just that. So just as the needs of Lazarus and his family are brought forward to Jesus, so too should we feel comfortable to bring our needs before Jesus as well. And not to feel guilty Yes, indeed, there are likely people who are worse off than us throughout the world, and that's very beautiful to recognize. But yet again, God wants us to bring our needs before him, and he gives us this permission with open arms. Notice Jesus' response right away, friends. His illness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God. Jesus says from the beginning what is going to happen. Did anyone pay attention to that when he said it to them in the original context? Do we pay attention to that when things might happen to us? Do we recognize that God holds us in the palm of his hand? Or are we afraid, feel abandoned, or question the presence of God? This is something for us to reflect upon. In verse 5, it's very clear that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. This intimate union he had with them shows, again, a compassionate Jesus who wants to help somebody who's in need. What's important for us to realize is that God is compassionate towards us too. The scriptures tell us the Lord is close to those who call on him. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. The Lord is moved by the brokenhearted. There are many different ways in which the scriptures tell us this truth. And so it's important for us to identify that as well. And yet it all comes back to, if he loved them, why did he wait? Why didn't he respond right away? Well, Jesus talked about for the glory of God, that this was to happen to Lazarus. Does that mean that God is punishing people with cancer, leukemia, or other problems, car accidents, etc.? No, what he means is he will be raised for the glory of God. This isn't because Lazarus is the sinner or that God is trying to smite him and Jesus is undoing what the Father is asking, etc. What's important for us to identify too is that sometimes God is going to act in our lives, but he chooses to wait. 
We want it now. He says, no, not yet. We're going to do things on my terms. There's a reason for that. He's not just being a mean God, but there's a purpose. The question is, are you and I willing and able to realize and hope for the purpose? So when we think of God's purpose, if he's asking us to wait, there's a good reason. Sometimes he just says no, period, because it's not in our best interest and mind, though we don't always agree. But here he is going to do something about it. He's just choosing to wait. In our prayer life, friends, are we willing to wait for God so that he does things on his terms, which is always in our best interest? I don't know about you, but I struggle with this sometimes. Lord, I want it now, please. And it's not God punishing us when he makes us wait. Sometimes he's testing our faith. Sometimes it's just not the right time. And sometimes God's trying to teach us something. In this case, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So when we think about his delay in responding, he's setting up the stage. He wants this healing and raising to be significant. So much so, of course, that not only are we talking about it some 2,000 years later, but we're actually interested in its original context. Who were the people nearby that saw this take place? This is one of the greatest acts and signs that Jesus does in sacred scripture. For again, many people were able to do many things, but to raise someone from the dead, this is enormous. We're going to come back to why the delaying tomorrow when we talk about the actual raising. But for now, what's important to realize is that Jesus is also being questioned by the apostles. It's dangerous for him to go back. They are trying to hurt him, to stone him, to arrest him. Sometimes there are reasons for us to not do the right thing. We might be afraid. We might be threatened. But should that stop us? Isn't it the right thing to do, to do the right thing? It's not something we should try to escape from. Doing the right thing, even when it has consequences, is important for each of us to reflect upon. And so Jesus models this for us, and he's trying to teach the disciples not to be afraid. But that Lazarus is going to need Jesus' help. Jesus is inviting them and each of us to recognize that doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. And so we should always be looking to do the right thing too. When Jesus is talking about sleep and death, notice that he sees things in a very different way. Of course, the apostles first think about his sleeping as sleeping. Jesus talks about his death as sleeping because in the eyes of God, that's all it is. It's a very temporary thing. When we think about God, who is eternal, 
helping us to move from the temporal, things that pass, to the eternal, things that never end. And so when the apostles recognize that they're not going to convince Jesus not to go, they say, then let us go and die with him. So they're making a conscious effort to having Jesus' back, this willingness to go with him. And this concept of potentially dying with him. Interesting. Here the apostles seem convicted, whereas where were they before Pilate? Where were they at the cross? We'll study that when we get to the end of John. But it's important that Lazarus was seen by everyone involved as being very dead. This wasn't a misdiagnosis. This wasn't a mistake. This wasn't a false concept of, you know, a coma or some other issue where he was perceived to be dead but wasn't. Being dead for four days, he's very dead at this point, friends. And what's also important to realize is they would have had the time to go through the proper Jewish rituals, which speak about caring for the body and praying particular prayers and rites, including the wrapping of the body, to show that indeed Lazarus was, as I'm calling, very dead. Father, I didn't know there was a difference between dead and very dead. Well, here... Lazarus is very dead, okay? So there is no misinterpretation here. And what it also shows you is you see how the scripture says that many people came to greet and mourn with Mary and Martha. This family was very well known. They were respected and loved. In their community, they were likely people that were seen as role models, and so again, it's so important here that Lazarus and his raising be seen as a public event so that many more people would come to know that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and can do something that others cannot do. What's important for us to understand too, friends, is that Martha goes out to meet Jesus. She is respectful. Now you might first see that as Martha being upset Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But notice the punctuation in the scriptures. This is not an exclamation mark. This is a period. Even though I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you is also a period. These are statements of faith and fact. Martha trusts in Jesus. Martha is respectful of Jesus. And Martha knows that Jesus is God. So her belief system is quite strong. She doesn't allow her grief to overcome her. Is she devastated? Yes. Does she miss her brother? Absolutely. But is she harassing Jesus? No. And this can be difficult for us when we lose a loved one. Our natural response may be to question God. And while that's not sinful, we have to realize that God knows what he's doing. It doesn't make sense to us at times, and we acknowledge that, but for him, it always does. Your brother will rise, Jesus says. I know he will rise on the resurrection on the last day. You see, she's learned. She's bought into the teachings of Jesus. She is faith-filled. 
but she has no idea what's in store, what Jesus has in store for Lazarus. Jesus speaks about himself as the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Father Rico, people have been dying for many, many, many years. Well, is that dying or sleep in the eyes of God? You see, there's a distinction, friends. So when he's talking about death, he's talking about for eternity. And again, it goes back to the promise made to us at baptism, the promise of resurrection. Yesterday, I had the privilege of baptizing three little boys. And for each of them, they were first given the promise of eternal life. This promise was given to you, friends, on the day of your baptism. Or for those who are thinking about being baptized, once you are baptized, that promise of resurrection is first given to you for the first time. Jesus asked, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. Notice here, she says, I have come to believe. So it's speaking of this movement of faith for her. And then she professes Jesus for who he is. So there's no doubt in her mind who she's speaking to. Friends, this passage can teach us so much about our lives too. How each one of us are called to have that same faith, even when our lives are rocked, loss of a loved one, health change, relationship damage, whatever the worst possible thing can be for you, friends, how are we going to respond in regards to faith when those things happen? Can we be like Job in the Old Testament, who while his world is falling apart around him, remains faithful? Can we be like Martha, who at the loss of her brother is completely devastated and yet continues to remain faithful and respectful? These are just some examples of the great impact that Martha and her witness can teach us. Think of how pleased Jesus is by the words that she is saying. How his sacred heart is moved by her faith in him. And this recognition that he is indeed the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who has come into the world. So too are we to be convicted, my brothers and sisters. We need to have that same faith, whether it's when we lose a loved one or when something tragic happens to us, something negative happens to us, or perhaps just something that is we have asked for that is positive does not happen to us. We need to have that same faith in God to trust in him. Let us thank God for the gift of Martha, for her faith witness, and for this experience where Jesus shows yet again the compassionate side of our God. So today, friends, let's focus on ourselves and others too. How deep is my faith in God? When tragedy comes, what is my response? Do I blame God and ask him why I'm a victim? Or do I try to seek God's presence, his help and advice as to how to deal with this situation that I find myself in?
How can I look for ways to love others and to walk with others when they are facing similar or even more challenging hardships? How can we grow to learn as the body of Christ? For God's Playbook friends, I'm Father Rico. We'll continue with part two tomorrow. God loves you and so do I. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us using any of our affiliate links in the description below via Budsprout, Ko-Fi, or GoFundMe. Thanks, and God bless.